0: On Christmas Eve of 2014, in the tranquil hamlet of Lake Luzerne, the terrible actions of a so-called father would permanently change the lives of his family. And eventually, horrified witnesses scared him away. His actions would forever change the lives of his family. But exactly what actions did Clifford take? And what were the events that led up to the ultimate act of vengeance that he carried out? We would like to take this opportunity to welcome you to our channel or thank you for returning. Today, we will be discussing the bizarre case of Clifford Burns. The facts behind this case are both heinous and heartbreaking, and attached to its side is some fairly unbelievable footage of an interrogation. Now take a deep breath and walk with me through the dark. This is the case of Clifford Burns. Welcome to the state of New York, which is located in the northeastern part of the United States and is known for its proximity to New York City, Niagara Falls, and the Statue of Liberty. In addition to these well-known landmarks, the Empire State is home to a variety of landscapes, including woods, rivers, mountains, and dreams. It's easy to forget that there is a world outside the Big Apple when you live in such a famous city. However, the state of New York possesses a great deal of natural beauty and quaintness. The summers here are very relaxing and fruitful. And when autumn arrives, the region's woods take on a vivid orange hue all across their canopy. Lake Luzerne is the name of a tiny town that can be found on the eastern side of the state of New York, not far from the boundary with the state of Vermont. With only 3,000 people calling this place home, life is relatively peaceful here. The great outdoors is where the majority of the town's attractions are concentrated. Its name should have given you a hint that kayaking, swimming, Hiking and whitewater rafting are all sports that are frequently done there. The year was 2013, and the Burns family was residing in Lake Luzerne at the time. But before we can get to that, let's go back to the year 1994. Patricia Curran, also known as Trish for short, worked full time as a nurse and mother. She was known to everyone as Trish. During the 1990s, she was still a young woman who was fiercely independent. However, she was also responsible for caring for her two daughters from a prior relationship. And because Patricia was still fairly young, it was difficult for her to maintain her financial stability without the assistance of a professional career. On the other hand, beginning in 1996, she started working at the drive-through window of a Dinkin Donuts restaurant. Patricia's profession allowed her to interact with a large number of members of the general public, and the diversity of her clientele was remarkable given that nearly everyone enjoys a tasty donut. Some were reserved, some were outgoing, and many were in a hurry, while others were eager to strike up a conversation. But despite the fact that Patricia encountered a lot of unusual people, she was still able to distinguish her regulars. Throughout the months of autumn, she maintained a consistent conversation with one of these customers. Until finally, one day, he proposed going on a date with her. You know, someplace far away from donut shops and restaurants with drive through windows. Clifford Burns was the man's name. And by many measures of achievement, Clifford was a very successful individual. He was a professional tree climber who also enjoyed fishing and riding his custom-built motorcycle in his spare time. He ran his own business as a tree climber. It seemed as though he was a man who enjoyed having a good time and was not afraid to take chances but he was also intelligent and powerful enough to run a successful business and make a lot of money. Perhaps this was the reason Patricia developed feelings for him. Since both parties felt the same way, they decided to get married in 1997, and Patricia changed her name to Burns after her new husband. We've decided to move in with Clifford, Patricia and her daughters Megan and Kristaline would soon grow from a family of four to a family of six, with the couple giving birth to two baby girls called Harley and Autumn. It is possible that the pair chose these names because of Clifford's passion for motorcycles and New York's magnificent fall foliage, respectively. The Burns family had their start in life in Nisgruna, nice which is a little town located approximately 60 kilometers. 40 miles south of Lake Luzerne. And despite the fact that their tale up to this point has a cheerful tone, there are many terrible secrets that have been kept hidden behind closed doors. I'm not talking about your typical everyday problems at home here. They were a real thing, no doubt about it. For instance, Crystalline experienced a lot of bullying in high school, and Patricia had a hard time finding work when she first graduated. On the other hand, I'm referring to something that's considerably more ominous. Unfortunately, the majority of these difficulties may be traced back to the father. Clifford's youth was marred by the fact that his troublesome father was abusive toward his wife, Edith, and son, Clifford. This made Clifford's boyhood a difficult time for him. An argument between the couple led James Burns to pull a gun and shoot his wife in the chest, as stated in newspaper articles dating back to 1981. She managed to pull through, but a few short months later, he had the nerve to threaten her with a loaded gun. Years later, in 1984, James was required to sign the divorce papers for him and Edith, which Edith had started the process of preparing months earlier. However, James had other things on his agenda. He abducted his wife before leading police on a high-speed chase, during which he first shot a police officer and then turned the gun on himself. Clifford did not have the option to participate in therapy despite the numerous traumatic situations that he endured throughout his childhood. It goes without saying that Clifford had a difficult childhood. You might be led to believe that despite the fact that he observed his own father beat up his mother when he was a child, he would become a devoted and caring partner in adulthood. However, that did not turn out to be the case. And despite the fact that he considered himself to be one, Clifford was not much of a genuine man because during the course of their marriage, he grew physically abusive against Patricia, assaulting her numerous times despite the fact that they were married. Each time Clifford struck Patricia, she would walk away from their relationship for a period, and the duration and intensity of these absences from each other's lives were variable. But each time this occurred, Patricia was always persuaded that it was in her best interest to welcome him back into her life. Clifford would first make amends, then smooth-talk his way into the situation, then bribe the children, and lastly convince everyone that he was required. Unfortunately, Patricia never learned not to fall for the trick. Her closest friends often referred to her as a fixer or someone who sought to find the best in others and assist them in overcoming their own challenges. And so it was that this pernicious dynamic persisted for a number of years until suddenly, in the year 2010, a wholly unforeseen event would leave the family completely devastated. The Burns family held a low-key Christmas celebration on the evening of December 26, 2010, which was Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, Patricia and Hannah's daughter Kristaline, who is 15 years old, had been afflicted with an upset stomach, but by the following morning, both of them were feeling better than they had the previous day. Even though everyone in the family was still showing signs of fatigue, they chose to spend the day relaxing and listening to music. And toward the later hours of that day, Crystalline made her way down to the basement, where her bedroom was located. Crystalline would occasionally invite her younger sister Harley to share her bed but only when she was particularly lenient and in the mood to do so. As they both began to nod off, Harley became aware that her older sister had been breathing strangely and seemed unsettled. Prior to returning to her own bed in order to catch some shut-eye, Harley went upstairs to retrieve a fresh glass of water for herself. And by the next morning, the family was hit with some extremely upsetting news out of the blue. Patricia was already on her way to the office. And not long after waking up, Clifford made sure Kristaline was okay by checking on her. However, when he made his way down the steps to the basement, he discovered that she was currently lying in her bed with her eyes open and her body unmoving. Clifford dialed 911, and emergency medical services arrived within four minutes after that. They attempted to revive Crystalline, but their efforts were ultimately fruitless. Unfortunately, she had already passed away. A report from the AUD found nothing out of the ordinary to note. And when the toxicology result also came back, the inconclusive pathologists were compelled to write no cause of death on the death certificate. It goes without saying that the family was completely shattered by the news. Patricia had a newfound fortitude after the passing of her daughter, which enabled her to better protect those she had left. And after being pushed around by Clifford for a number of years, she ultimately determined that enough was enough and that she would no longer put up with it. And not long after Crystalline's passing, the violence that had been going on persisted. Patricia. She severed the tether. After filing a petition for a restraining order against Clifford that was to last for five years, Patricia relocated to an apartment in Lake Luzerne that was located above a hardware store and took the children with her. On the other hand, Harley made the surprising decision to remain in Nice Cayuna with her father. She had no desire to attend a different school or make new acquaintances. Unfortunately, Throughout the course of the next few months, Clifford's wrath, which would normally be vented on Patricia, was now focused on Harley. And just a few months after Patricia had left, Harley did the same thing because she was unable to tolerate her father's emotional abuse. She followed Patricia's example. But at least now, after what seemed like an eternity, Patricia and her daughters were secure in each other's company and away from their odious father. And there's more wonderful news. However, Patricia was also presented with the opportunity to work as a nurse at the nearby hospice, which was a goal that she had set for herself. Additionally, it offered a satisfactory salary, love in the new partnership, as well as growing close to the local man named Ted Bacchus. It would be wonderful to think that things would go better for Patricia from this point forward. She had been through enough anguish and suffering for it to last a lifetime, what with her former lover abusing her and the death of her kid. But, alas, the reality would turn out to be completely different from those hopes. Sadly, Ted was very similar to Clifford in many ways. Ted was known to have a short fuse. If you were to step out of line, he would have you answer for it. And despite the fact that he was already aware of everything that Patricia had been through, he started hitting her whenever she made him angry. After slapping Patricia and firing his gun into the ceiling, Ted would eventually end up in a standoff with the police as the result of this situation. As soon as the authorities heard about the ruckus, they were sent to the location, and when they arrived, they discovered Ted cowering in a closet. Ultimately, Ted entered a guilty plea to one count of firing a firearm, for which he was sentenced to probation and received a court order that prohibited him from contacting Patricia for the next three years. After this event, life started to get back to normal. Clifford's callousness, the death of Crystalline, and Ted's violence had left what was left of the family distraught. Thus, Patricia concentrated on her career and her daughters. We are now in the year 2013, and her primary concern is maintaining the equilibrium of the family while also putting the finishing touches on her divorce from Clifford. As the golden leaves of autumn fell from the trees and snow began to fall upon the creeks and forests of Lake Luzerne, It was clear that Christmas was getting closer every day. The Burns family Christmas is a time of year that is best spent with one's loved ones, and the Burns family is no exception. Autumn and Harley were both grieving the loss of their father after Clifford's departure from their lives. Even though he was probably a nasty person, they nonetheless found themselves missing him on occasion despite the fact that he was no longer there. They hadn’t heard from him in over a year and a half at that point. Therefore, bearing all of this in mind, Autumn finally worked up the nerve to wish him a happy holiday. She sent Clifford a message that read, “I just wanted to tell you that I love you and Merry Christmas," which she sent through text message. She expected his reaction with bated breath, but what she received was unsettling and worrisome at the same time. In his response, Clifford said, I have a special gift coming your way soon, something for everyone to talk about, and it will be hand-delivered on foot rather than by car. A really unique present for you to show off to all of your close friends, especially Harley. Autumn was confused as to how she should respond to this text message. Was that an awkward way to wish someone a Merry Christmas? or was it a direct intimidation that was confided to a mother? Autumn was reassured by Patricia that there was nothing for her to be concerned about. She claimed that he was cruel and terrible, but that he was not particularly evil. Autumn made several attempts to diffuse the tension in the chat with her father. She encouraged him to pull himself together and to see beyond his own feelings and so the family proceeded with their preparations in the same manner. They only had three days left till Christmas, and they were all looking forward to a celebration that would be calm and undisturbed. On the other hand, that state of calm and tranquility would never be attained. December 24, Wendy 13. On the evening of Christmas Eve, Millions of people all over the world were getting ready for their respective celebrations. The Burns family was not an exception to this rule either. While Harley was out getting groceries, Meghan and Adam stayed at home to assist Patricia in preparing supper, which included the turkey that was on the agenda for today. But all of a sudden, there was a resounding knock at the door. When no one was looking, the front door suddenly burst open revealing a masked man standing in the hallway. No one had time to react. He was concealed from view by full camouflage, a ski mask, and was holding a huge hunting knife in his hands. As she pressed herself up against the wall, Patricia let out a piercing scream. She was defenseless in her own home when suddenly, in the blink of an eye, the culprit surged towards her and began to repeatedly stab her. She was ultimately killed as a result of the attack. Megan, who was in a state of extreme distress, ran over to try to separate the two people. But because the disguised man was more than twice as heavy as she was, all of her attempts were in vain. The only thing that was left for her to do was swipe and claw at the man, and as she was doing that, she managed to remove the mask that was covering his face. And what was hidden beneath was not unfamiliar at all. It was Clifford who said it. Clifford barely responded when Megan and Patricia yelled for him to stop, but he continued his assault on them. In fact, while he was in the middle of doing so, he whirled around and swiped at Megan, cutting her arm extensively. And Autumn, who had been standing by as the nightmare unfolded, quickly grabbed the house phone and dialed the emergency number. 911. Where exactly is the urgent situation? My mother is currently lying on the ground, gushing blood. My dad has just arrived, and they say that she is severely injured and bleeding out. Megan hastened to leave the residence in order to seek assistance elsewhere. Clifford Burns was pursuing her when her arm was seriously bleeding, and he was in her shadow the whole time. Megan was not his biological daughter, therefore, it is possible that he also desired for her to be gone. She carelessly threw herself into a snowbank, and as a result, she became ensnared and unable to escape. She was at Clifford's whim and mercy at this point, and he was closing in on her quickly. But, fortunately, in that brief second, Diners going out of a nearby restaurant had overheard the disturbance while it was taking place, and as soon as Clifford was aware of this, he made a hasty retreat to his vehicle and drove away from the location of the incident. Due to the fact that it was a tiny town, the policemen already knew Clifford rather well. Once they located him in his vehicle, a high-speed police chase through the state of New York occurred. Both paramedics and police officers rushed to the residence. Clifford was battling for his independence at the same time as Patricia was fighting for her life. But after playing cat and mouse with the cops for a quarter of an hour, he eventually turned himself in. And it goes without saying that he was taken into custody right away. What Clifford would do next is what makes his case somewhat notorious despite the terrible acts he had committed in the past. Because even if there are thousands of murders committed each year, not everyone reacts in the same way. I have a lot of things to discuss, and I want to speak with somebody who is trustworthy and with whom I can have an open conversation. I'm going to explain what took place in detail. My divorced wife filed a restraining order against me in court. Because of your corruption, Teddy Backus went over to the house, pulled out a gun, and fired up the house. He was only charged with misdemeanors. Because of his sibling, he received nine misdemeanor convictions. Beating up my grandmother and putting her in the hospital is not acceptable. My kid was home. I am the cursed one. Where are your children at this hour? Their residence. I have no idea where they are at the moment. They have been out of my life for the past eight months. I absolutely adore the bra. Everything that I had was taken from me by her. My attorney just called me today and informed me that I have a warrant out for my arrest because I have not paid my child support obligation. I sent him $250 every week. I was unable to save anything including my company, my home, or any of my vehicles. While this thing is going around my money, I've been down to a $600 apartment. Man, you've arrived in the Wild West. And I'm a wild mother, aren't I? Is that what you're saying? You probably fantasized of having a mother like me when you were growing up in Iraq, didn't you? Even though I adore this country, It has treated me unfairly. I lost my temper. God, I am at a loss for words. I don't know what to tell you. You have been called upon. I beg you, do whatever it is you have to do to me. However, I have been cautioning you the whole time. I inquired of you, and I inquired of you. I ask you, simply offer her some D.W.Y. If she had won, it would have been her third attempt. She would have been sentenced to time behind bars. I had the opportunity to raise my children. What exactly is it that you want me to do? I made a request for assistance, but nobody responded to my need for assistance. I needed to see my kids, so I went there. Were they in attendance? I couldn't even tell you. I tuned everything out. I was operating completely in the dark. You guys were the ones who initiated this conflict. Do you understand me? You were the one who started the conflict, man. I tuned everything out. What went wrong is beyond my comprehension. I don't remember the last time I ate anything. Right now, I have the impression that I am high on narcotics. My anxiety is through the roof. I've been asking folks for assistance, but nobody has come through for me thus far. My attorney cost me a few thousand dollars. You do not contribute in any way since it is difficult. I'm sorry, but if anyone has anything, I can't take it any longer. I simply can't wait to see my children. That is the only thing I require. I can't handle it any longer. Hurt anybody else at the house tonight when you, I can't stand it. I cannot find it. I have no idea how I managed to climb to this level. My automobile is completely out of gas at the moment. I'm down to my last dollar. I got no food. Even now, I have no idea what it is that I did this evening. I am giving up. I am giving up. I give up. I give up. God, strike me dead. Kill me with your words, Mom. You placed the devil on one of my shoulders, and then you placed him on the other shoulder. Strike me dead. I don't even give up. Tell me. Put a bullet through my head right this second. Bullet in me. Sorry, Clifford, but Patricia has passed away. What? dead. After a few minutes of crying his eyes out, Clifford immediately resumed his rant about Patricia's financial situation. As Patricia was being rushed to Glen Falls Hospital, Ted, Bacchus, and being Irish were among the paramedics doing everything they could to save her life. However, unfortunately, due to the amount of blood that was lost, she was unable to complete the voyage. Patricia Burns was pronounced deceased on the evening of Christmas Eve in the year 2013. After receiving medical attention for her wounds, Megan thankfully made a full recovery, at least in terms of her physical health. However, the emotional and mental upheaval that was left behind after that night would indelibly alter all three of Megan's sisters. That took up five hours of my time so please accept my gratitude for putting up with it. Throughout the course of his conversation, it became abundantly clear how difficult it was for Clifford to accept responsibility for his actions. Instead, he would point the finger at Patricia, Ted, Patricia's attorney, or even the police. Even the cops, Clifford Burns was ultimately arrested and booked into the Warren County Jail without the possibility of bail after being charged with one crime of murder in the second degree. After the holiday season had come to a close, on January 8, he appeared in court to enter a plea of not guilty to the charge of killing his estranged wife. In addition to that, he was hit with additional accusations of manslaughter in the first degree. In addition to being charged with unlawfully fleeing a police officer, which is a lesser offense, he was accused of assault in the first degree and criminal possession of a firearm in the third degree. In the end, Clifford entered a guilty plea in April of 2014. However, he then withdrew his guilty plea prior to the trial, claiming that his case was handled poorly during a period when he was mentally unstable and the proceedings for Clifford Burns' trial were scheduled to get underway in April of 2014. He attempted to assert a psychiatric defense by stating that he was suffering from acute emotional distress at the time of the incident and that he did not go to the house with the intention of stabbing his wife in front of their two girls. He was unsuccessful in this attempt. But the concept of intent was called into question because When officers investigated his property, they discovered a newly written will of possessions detailing all of his belongings to be given to his three daughters, Harley, Autumn, and Samantha, which was, quote, to be divided equally for college and whatever, and he also left his badges by his testament in a rather dramatic manner. This cast doubt on the notion that he intended to give his daughters his possessions. Clifford Burns was convicted of second-degree murder on September 5, 2014, despite the fact that the camouflage ski mask and hunting knife were both clear giveaways that should not have come as a surprise. His daughters gave tearful remarks about the impact of their mother's death, and at the conclusion of it, he was sentenced to 23 years to life in prison. The earliest potential release date for him is Christmas Eve in the year 2036. His daughters testified against him. In addition to this term, the judge imposed various orders of protection which prohibit Clifford from ever again having any kind of contact with Autumn, Harley, or Megan. These orders will remain in effect indefinitely. In fact, This was not the first time that Clifford had been placed in a detention facility. After breaking into the home of his ex-girlfriend and being caught so soon after his release, he was sentenced to two and a half years in jail, which he served between the years 1994 and 1996. That is how he initially came to know Patricia. In conclusion, it's sad that Clifford has always been such a turd. In spite of this, it is essential to bring attention to the traumatic events that occurred during Clifford's own youth. These included physical abuse directed at both Clifford and his mother, as well as the passing of his father, which resulted in the absence of a father figure in Clifford's family. Clifford's growth from childhood into adulthood would have been impacted by both of these aspects and they may even help explain some of Clifford's less admirable qualities in part. In either case, it is not an explanation for his behavior or the actions that he has taken. Clifford ought to have learned from the anguish and distress that were inflicted on him by his own father in order to understand how not to treat his wife and children. Instead, he imitated her vicious behavior in exactly the same way. You are aware of the proverb that states, like father, like son. And as a direct consequence of that, a compassionate woman who had already been through more than her share of misfortune lost her life. Patricia became a resilient, but worn out, lady after enduring the death of her daughter and surviving not just one, but two abusive relationships throughout her lifetime. On Christmas Eve, Patricia was taken aback by an unexpected turn of events. Despite the challenges she had faced in the past, she remained determined to be a nurturing mother and a close friend to her three surviving daughters. She was known for her kindness, humor, and extroverted personality, and was regarded as a one-in-a-million mother. Her daughters continued to miss her greatly having had to learn how to navigate the world without either of their parents. Thank you for your close attention to today's story. If you found this investigation fascinating or learned something new, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe if you haven't already. What are your thoughts on Clifford Burns? Could anything have been done to stop him on that fateful Christmas Eve? Please share your thoughts in the comments section below. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please remember to look out for one another. Goodbye.